All right, JJ, the first guest, JJ Murray. How's it going, man? Man, it's going great, man. It's a Wednesday evening. You know, we're, we're one day closer to the weekend. Can't complain. There you go. Absolutely. For those of you, those of you who don't know, uh, JJ, he's a really good guy. I met him this summer. Um, he played basketball at UNT. And then uh, we'll, we'll learn some more about him. Here we go. Uh, so first off, JJ, just tell me about yourself. What? Who are you? <laughs> who? Who am I? Yeah, who, who is JJ um, Murray? You know, <laughs> I'm a. You could say I don't like starting out with this, but I mean it is a part of you know who I am today. So yes, I am an ex Division One basketball player at UNT um, who um, has a bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering. And is currently working towards uh, MBA at the University of North Texas, um, where I am, you know, currently working as an intern at Callaway Golf Company that many of you may heard of through, you know, maybe attempting to get out there and, and play a little bit of golf, or you know, you've seen, you know, some of your may maybe uh, favorite golfers, you know, sporting some of our apparel. So. That's an abbreviated version of uh, myself, J.J. Murray. A little quick plug for a Cali Golf Company there, huh? <laughs> yeah, man. I'm, uh, I, it's only right that I, <laughs> I give a little shout you out. Golf and, at all? Uh, um, I'm, I'm a very, very, very amateur golfer. <laughs> um, I have been out on the, uh, the driving range a little bit. But, you know, with this, we are, I mean, it's it's on the calendar. I don't know if I'm going. We are having, looks like we're leaving at lunch to go go golfing, uh, our group, on next Friday. So, I'll probably get back out there this weekend and, and see, you know, how rusty I am. If I'm, if I'm too rusty, then I might have to pass on that one. But <laughs> we'll see. By the, by the time I'm done, I, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be a lot better, I would say. <laughs> there you go. Hey, so uh, how did you how did your basketball career start? How'd you get into it? Yeah, so um, I mean, I played basketball and football kind of growing up. Um, I kind of loved both of them. I knew long term basketball probably the route I was going to take. My dad played at the University of Alabama, and so um, you know, I always kind of wanted to you know follow in his footsteps. And so I played football just because you know all my friends played. I was decent. Um, I, I mean, you know, I would score touchdowns here and there. I would drop touchdowns here and there. Was and a little flex. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I was honest too. I didn't, I didn't catch all of them. Um, I didn't really like hitting, you know. And so once I got to my freshman year, and my dad, he he had injuries kind of in college. So he wanted to start us off playing organized sports a little bit later on, just so our bodies, you know, didn't get worn out. And so I started playing organized in sixth grade, both football and basketball, which is kind of later than a lot of, you know, a lot of kids that, you know, start when they're, you know, in first, second grade even. And so through there, I played my freshman year at Rollett High School, where I'm actually from. And I um, played freshman football right after that, went into freshman basketball. And I knew then that I would just kind of focus on basketball um football outdoor sport I was playing receiver really didn't get the ball that much so it wasn't really fun for me going out there blocking all the time so I was like you know what uh, let me just focus on you know indoor sport that I could play year-round and 
Um, and so that's when I focused on basketball. So as a sophomore, was on varsity, didn't play that much. As a junior, um, and I'm going to kind of make this uh, long story short, as a junior, was uh, we were we were preseason ranked top five in the state in the highest classification in Texas, uh, right behind like Plano West. As as uh, uh, Preston probably knows, that had DJ Hogue, uh, Tyler Davis. So we were top five. Um, Mickey so Mitchell we were, too. Yeah, Mickey Mitchell, who was, he was like, cold. yeah, all those guys are like top hundred um, ESPN. So. Yeah, we were top five behind, you know, the respects of those caliber teams. So I actually broke my ankle in the preseason, though, and the, and the guy was supposed to be our starting point guard. Broke my ankle. Um, and, that you know, that's like a big recruiting cycle of your junior year. That's when a lot of schools kind of look at you. So I uh, broke my ankle, kind of hurt my recruiting, uh, made it back that fall and summer. It was never 100%. So um, that senior year kind of got back fully healthy um, and we were able to make school history, um, reach the furthest we've gotten um, in school in that school's history in the third round. It's not state or anything, but it kind of was a big deal and didn't really help my recruiting. I've always been kind of like a team player, uh, never really was trying to go get, you know, 20, 30 points. And so that led me to Eastfield Junior College, which is the I always tell people. It's literally the last level of college basketball. It's a Division three JUCO. So it's not a Division three, you know, NCAA. It's not, a, you know, the the major junior colleges that you've probably heard of, but it's literally Division three of junior college. So played there a couple of years, um, did a lot better than even I could have even imagined, was an actual academic All-American and an uh, All-American uh, third team. So uh, the first, you know, double All-American at that school's history, which led me to UNT where I walked on for two years because that wasn't really a respected junior college league. It was kind of – so even though I did pretty well academically and statistically, I didn't have any Division One offers. So I was wanting to play Division One. So I took some walk-on opportunities. And then, you know, that brought me to UNT. So it's kind of my basketball journey in a nutshell. You mentioned that you started uh, playing basketball and organized sports in general in sixth grade. And you, like you said, that is later than a lot of kids, especially kids who played at as high of a level as you did. How do you feel like starting in sixth grade versus, you know, some of these kids starting from five, six, seven? How do you think that was uh, different and affected your journey? Uh, it definitely was tough because I was playing with kids that had played with each other coming, you know, growing up, and I didn't really know what to expect from organized sports. So it was definitely an adjustment for me. Um, and then I guess long term, maybe it helped me physically, but I don't know if it did because I got hurt my junior year of high school. And then like towards the end of my collegiate career, you know, each season towards uh, the last two, just kind of my body would break down. So I don't know if that was just because of overwork, but I don't know if it served its long-term purpose. I mean, maybe it did because it, it got me to the finish line. Um, but, I mean, I feel pretty burnt out. So, um, I don't really know. I don't think it really helped at all me starting late, to be honest. I think, you know, guys had a head start on me for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, that's crazy that you went from the lowest level of JUCO to UNT. That must have been like a huge jump in, like, pace of, of the sport and 
just talent and everything. How did you adjust to that? Man, that was an adjustment. Um, I redshirted my first year, so that helped me kind of go through all those growing pains of playing Division One. Um, just the size, the speed. Um, I mean, obviously, when you change from team to team, you're always going to change um, style of play. So I had to really – that year was big for me because I really watched – and we weren't, we didn't have that successful of a year either. So I just watched what not to do, um, which was a, uh, which is just as important to know what to do. Um, so, yeah, just watching that, seeing what the coaches value, you know, and winning and seeing how I can get on the floor and, you know, just kind of changing, you know, my, my game personally that got me to UNT to, you know, really you know, do what I felt like the coaches would value and eventually got me on the floor, got me a scholarship. So what was the most difficult part of that process in working from being a walk-on to getting that scholarship? I mean, I'm sure, like you said, between redshirting and not having a very successful season, there had to have been some trials and tribulations there. So was there any, you know, really difficult points? And what was that feeling like when they did finally put you on scholarship? Um, that feeling was, you know, it was really gratifying um, just given kind of what the hardest part about that that process um, to answer your question. I think the first part about it was the fact that as a walk on basketball, so college basketball team, there's 13 scholarships. So as a walk on, you are automatically the 14th guy. Um, and so there's only five guys that can play. And so from a basketball standpoint, when coaches as a walk on, they have no investment in you. Um, and so um, it's almost like being an intern, like Preston knows they're paying you a little, but for a lot of work. And so um, you're not as high on the totem pole as like the full time employees. So for me, having to go through, I guess you have the five guys that start, then you have the seven guys, seven, eight guys that are in that rotation. And obviously four or five of those guys are in your position um, as a guard. You know, we were a guard heavy team. So having to stand out with there's no investment being in you was really tough. You know, you have to do the scout team, which isn't fun. Um, and, you know, you don't, you don't get catered to you at all. You don't get – um, any of the perks and the only thing you really get is per diem and a roster, you know, a, a place, a profile on the roster. So outside of that, you don't really get, you know, all the extra attention and the, and the resources. I mean, you kind of get all the resources, but as far as like gym time is concerned, you kind of got to just get in where you fit in from the basketball standpoint, from the academic standpoint, I, I also was engineering. So that wasn't, you know, a slouch major. So that was hard because I wasn't – I would leave practice early to go to class. And as a walk-on, school comes first. So whenever I would have school events, I would have to, you know, leave, miss basketball, team events or whatever to make sure I was going to class. So time management really challenged me. I want to have a college experience also. So something had to give, and that was sleep a lot of the time. So I was able to, you know, have a good, you know, college experience and – so I, I don't know. I just had to pick and choose, you know, um, what I wanted out of my college experience. And, you know, ultimately that's what made um, the scholarship so gratifying that all the hard work that I put in in school and basketball paid off. So for sure. So that was definitely like the biggest leap in your game that season. 
probably, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, definitely. So, so I know you obviously, you know, you had to do what the coaches told you to do. You, I mean, that was in your control, but what did you really improve on like skill wise? Like, what did you do? Did you get better at handles? You shoot the rock better or you're a defensive specialist? Defense. There you go. Which is, which is crazy because people won't like, it's not like a glamorous, you know, skill, but that's a skill that like I really didn't value in junior college, you know, like, Junior college is not big really on defense, to be honest. But that's where I learned, like, like I was good. I'm, I've always tried to be good at what my coaches valued, you know, because that's how it was. That's what's going to get you on the floor. And defense is what I saw in that year that, like, okay, like, if I can defend, there's a lot of guys that are a lot talented, more talented than me offensively. But if I can defend, the one thing people don't realize is, like, if you can defend, not only do you – can you make the people who you're competing with look bad in practice <laughs> but <laughs> so that that was always a like a benefit of being good at defense because like okay I'm competing for playing time with the guy that has to score on me so if he looks bad then that automatically gives me a leg up you know right. it's not just a trade-off you know you're making him look worse you're looking better right because they're not gonna they don't care enough about defense because that's half that's like a little bit less than half of the battle on defense. You got to actually want to do it. Mm -hmm. So they don't care enough to, like, stop me. And it's not like I'm out here scoring 30. But, you know, I was solid enough to not be a liability. And so, you know, on offense. So after then, it was kind of like, you know, the the stars had to kind of align. And once I got my opportunity, it was it was sink or swim. So you mentioned that uh, that improvement and that huge leap on defense. What what it what did it take off of the court and on the court to make that leap? So I did a lot of work with my trainer back home. Um, whenever I wasn't up here, uh, he, he actually has a gym in his garage. So, you know, it's a testament to doing, you know, workouts with him in there, just different uh, lateral mobility stuff um, and just making sure physically I could, I could do it, you know, getting stronger. Uh, we did hills, we did sand workouts you know, just everything to just physically, that was what I had to physically be able to play at this level um, and be able to fight through screens, um, be able not to get bumped off, you know, just, you know, and laterally be able to stay in front of people. Um, and that was the biggest thing I would say is just the commitment I did to my body. Um, and also I would watch guys like Drew Holiday, Marcus Smart, Patrick Beverly, guys that are known for how good they are defensively. Um, but honestly, I think a more testament, you have to be able to like physically um, also from like a conditioning standpoint, be able to, because uh, as you know, as you get going up and down, man, it's hard to, you know, you know, have that uh, stamina to be able to still defend at a high level. So I would say that that probably what is uh, what I'll give the most credit to. So you're saying you're a defensive specialist. So who's the hardest person you've ever had to guard and check and, and, what mentality did it take to go into that matchup? Man, that's a great question. Um, I've had to guard a, a lot of tough players. Obviously, being a defensive person, um, I grow. I've grown to enjoy those matchups because I would. I would usually get the toughest, either point guard or throughout the game, their best player on the wing. Um, and so, this is a good question because I did guard a lot of the best players. Uh, I would say. 
the hardest players that I had to guard, I'll say in general, the hardest players that were to guard were the guys that can make mid ranges over the top of you, mm-hmm. over the top of me. Cause I was, I'm only six one. So I'm not like six, four, super long. So while I was physical, if you could shoot, you could shoot over me, you know, right. um, I can make it super tough on you, but if it's something that you did pretty well at the mid range level, then um, that was always hard because I can contest them, but that would drop. So I would either say Javon Jackson, um, who was at UTSA. Um, he's one of the, you know, uh, top NCAA point leaders. Um, I don't know where he ranks, but I know he's up there. He was really tough because he could just, man, he he he, uh, he he got the best of me. I'm not going to lie. Um, and uh, Jordan, it's uh, it's probably a tie behind Jordan Walker, who's at UAB now. Um, he was a transfer from uh, Seton Hall, Tulane, uh, really good player. And uh, what's his name? Marshall, uh, Tavion Kinsey. Uh, I, I would say those two guys, just because those are both guys who um, are different players. One's like six six, who's really athletic, and the other one's like five nine, who's really fast. So, like, I've gotten a wide uh, range of, like, players I've had to guard. But both those guys are super dynamic and can make super tough shots. So, I would say those are the hardest guys to guard. Did, did you ever play against Shahada Wells? Yeah, no. So, he was at – we were going to play them during COVID, but uh, that game got canceled. He was at okay. UTSA. Is he at TCU now? Yes, yes, yeah. He transferred to TCU. Yeah, he, he's uh he's from my neck of the woods. I played against him in, in high school, so that's he, why I was asking. Good, right? Yeah, yes, he's very good. Is he still he did he train he transfer? He could. There's no way he's still at TCU now. I don't think is he. Ah, uh, he. I don't think so. I, I I I would need to check this year. Last season he was at TCU, but I'd need to check this season. Yeah, they're gonna have a pretty good team. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, they are. So you were. You were actually selected for all conference USA defense team. How much of an honor was that for you? And what did it mean? Yeah, so you know, in that red shirt year, and as I realized what was gonna get me on the floor, I kind of didn't care about individual accolades. You know, that's where I never really have, you know, that that usually comes if you win and you know, you're just focused on winning. Um, so uh, I'm not going to lie. Once I got that, I mean, it was a pretty cool honor, you know, because that, that was almost like what I was known for. So to be rewarded and, and, you know, that's a coach's award. The coaches vote on that throughout the conference. So just to know I had that sort of respect, um, you know, it was an honor. And so, um, you know, I don't keep many things on my desk, but that's one of the things that um, I keep on there. Um, and so, yeah, for me to go from a, D3 Juco walk on to all conference defense conference USA was a, a pretty cool journey for me. Um, and then, you know, that everybody that's known me in basketball kind of growing up wouldn't know me as a defensive player. So it's kind of cool that you can kind of pivot and transform, you know, if you're willing to do it. And, you know, that's proof. So much work goes into that. And there's only how many guys are on that team? Five? Yeah, five players from the conference. Yeah, I mean, there yeah. you go. You're one of the top five defense specialists in that conference. 
is that something that you felt like you knew was coming or when you when you were nominated for that was was it kind of a um not necessarily a surprise but sort of a uh um something that you weren't expecting for the the opposing coaches to recognize you like that um so we we were doing really well in conference uh we were we actually had the number one scoring defense in the country and so and we had the best defense in the league so i knew that um with all those team awards that we had the respect of the of the conference and and so there was a certain point where when that conversation was kind of getting brought up I knew I would be or at least I should be on there um it wasn't necessarily anything I worried about but it was an expectation I had you know and so um it really got to the point where I was you know maybe in the running for potentially getting defensive player of the year of the league um but I knew you know it's a lot of politics involved that I wouldn't get that award so we're not gonna get into that um but you know, I, that would have been pretty cool to kind of get that for the conference. But, um, but yeah, I, I kind of knew – I kind of expected to get it. Do, do nominations like that for you personally, does that – is that something that you see that and then afterwards you're like, all right, well, now I need to go even harder because I need to show that that's – I need to back that up. I need to prove that what they said is the truth. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a good way to put it. Um, I would say, um, I guess you can say there's like a, a unwritten uh, expectation that comes with it. Um, at that point, um, you've built up that reputation. So um, it's almost been done for you almost. So like for me, um, nothing about my approach changed to the game, you know, from that, like, I, I still approach every game the same way. And so um, I don't think, um, you know, I, I was trying to prove anybody right or, you know, anything like that. From there, just kind of like, okay, now that's out the way, you know, now that's announced. Um, now it's kind of just let's c- continue kind of trying to reach our goals. So on the flip, JJ, is there anybody that you remember that was the best player that you got about? Um, I mean, I guess it's pretty cool. We played, uh, I don't know if it's an individual person. Um, maybe it is, but we played Kansas, um, last season, they won the national championship. I got a few buckets on them. I missed more buckets than I made. So (laughs) that's also something to note. So I kind of wish I played a little bit better, but I did get some buckets in that game. And then Purdue, um, in our NCAA tournament game, I scored – I hit a three in that game. So, um, that was always a dream of mine to play in the NCAA tournament. So, I would necessarily say more so games and teams versus, like, actual players. But I did play against some guys that, you know, got drafted in the NBA. So, I guess that's pretty cool to uh, – Yeah, two lottery picks, I think. Baji and Braun. Baji was maybe a lottery pick. Braun went later on in the second round. I know okay. all you guys don't have too many fond memories of Bron screaming and yelling after it <laughs> starts uh, in Norman. So yeah, he would look at the student section after every bucket start talking. Yeah, he was he was getting into it with uh, the Roughnecks there on the sideline. I remember that. Yeah, I actually watched the game. My my boy uh, Mo uh, Gibson played at OU. So that's right. Watched, he was a transfer. 
Right, from UNT. So yeah. I always watched when I could. And, yeah, I remember Brian, uh, <laughs> yeah, he had a big three on the wing and kind of went crazy. So yeah. sorry, sorry to bring that up to you guys. but. <laughs> So, so you mentioned uh, Moja. Did you were you guys at UNT at the same time? Yeah, we were. So my redshirt year was his last year, and he, uh, no, it wasn't. Uh, he was there two years. I was there. So his, uh, or maybe I'm wrong. No, no, no. Yeah, he was there two years. I was there. So my redshirt year, uh, he was coming off an injury, I think, and then my second year is when. He was a part of our first conference USA championship, and he was the only one that I can give credit to that probably worked harder than I did. Um, that dude was a gym rat, um, and I love that dude. So, yeah, we still communicate. I know he's at DePaul now, but we still communicate. Yeah. I actually bought one of his shirts that he has his own clothing line. So That's awesome. Shout out to yeah. Moja. Yeah, that's my guy. So what was uh, – did you ever have to guard him in practice or anything, and what was checking him like? Because that guy can shoot the lights out. Yeah, I always tell people, man, if you can shoot and you have range, it's you're, you're automatically hard to guard. You got to <laughs> guard you further out. Um, and he was one of those guys. I mean, he's one of the guys I can give credit to that uh, has kind of helped me, you know, you know, develop into the defender I was when I did get to play. I was guarding him every day. He was one of the guys I got to guard every day. Um, he's a really good player. Um, but me personally, I didn't. Like, he was hard to guard because he could shoot it from D. And he did get me yelled at a couple of times because I wasn't up on his catches. But as far as one-on-one, I didn't I don't, I don't, didn't have any trouble guard Mo. <laughs> I didn't. But that's just, you know, that's just. What would he say about that? I don't know. I would be interested to hear what he has to say about it. Um, maybe, maybe we have to get him on and ask him that question. You definitely so. have. I could, I could definitely facilitate that. But. Um, yeah, I didn't have I didn't have any you know major issues guarding Mo, but he's a really good player though. I would I'm not going to take that away from him. Hey, so uh, kind of change the subject a little bit. I mean, D1, there's some there's some student sections. You know, what was life like on the road, and what was the hardest environment you had to play? I tell everybody the the best thing about college basketball is winning on the road. Um, and it got to a point we didn't have the best student section. Um, so it got to the point where the best part about playing college basketball was just playing on the road, win or loss. Uh, we played in some really crazy environments. We played at VCU, Dayton, uh, Wichita State, um, Western Kentucky had a good one, Marshall within our league. Um, West Virginia was okay. I would say – the best environment that I was able to be in on the road had to be, um, and it's tough. It depends. It's hard because there's the environment, but then there's what's at stake at the games that makes the environment a little mm -hmm. bit better. You know, um, I would say when me not playing. Dayton's environment probably is a little bit – I'll give them a notch over VCU. This was me not playing uh, because Dayton had Obi Toppin. They were a top-five team in the country, and they – oh, and we played New Mexico. In New Mexico, the pit was pretty crazy. Um, but Dayton, just just given where they – the status of their team at the time. VCU was coming off an NCAA tournament appearance. They were top 25, but – 
they their environment just was a little different from Dayton. Dayton was, you know, their basketball town mecca, and VCU is too. But as a player, uh, Wichita State, man, Coach Arena is freaking is a electrifying environment. But I would say my favorite was UAB um, because it was a super loud environment. We were playing for first place in conference. They had Jordan Walker, who ended up winning player of the year, who was my assignment, which I took super personal. Um, my family, I have family there because um, my dad played at Alabama. He's from Alabama, Birmingham specifically. So everything that, you know, consisted of that game um, was just made that one of the best environments. And we won. So on a crazy last minute shot. So last second shot. So it was, I'll probably give the nod to UAB there. So, uh, so that was probably, would, that, would you say that was your favorite game? I mean, there's so much at stake there. Did you have to like kind of take that matchup personally? Did you try to like uh, look for a way to get offended by that guy? A hundred percent. Probably the most personal game I've ever taken in my UNT career. Um, it's hard because playing in March Madness was always a dream of mine. So it's hard to put anything over that Purdue game. Right. And even that game uh, that got us to the tournament, um, our uh, our Conference USA tournament, which is another environment that's pretty crazy because it's in Frisco. So a lot of UNT fans show up to that. But I would probably say that UAB game just because it was a game that um, our coaches did a good job of hyping up Jordan. So I, I took it personal with like, hey, well, like he's good, but he's not that good. And so we were playing for first. They had beat us the first time at home. And so, yeah, that probably was my one of my favorite games on the road. Um, they hadn't lost a, a home game all year. Their average margin of victory was like 19 points. Dang. So They're blowing yeah. everybody out. Yeah. So that was probably one of my favorite wins, um, I would say. Definitely top. I don't know. It, it probably depends. In a couple of years, maybe not. But right now, uh, I'll probably give that one a nod. So – you mentioned that they were that UAB was having a great season. You know, you mentioned the margin of victory that they hadn't lost a home game yet. Um, I think them and Texas Tech were like the only teams without a home loss or something like that mm-hmm. at that point in the season. Yeah. So what did you guys do and you specifically do in that game to reverse the tides and change that? Uh, I think we just we 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 took it to them. I would say just from we weren't. The first game, we were a step late, slow on 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 a lot of their actions, and we had a lot of missed assignments, and they beat us. They were just a more physical, tougher team. So we knew going into that game, I knew personally just from watching the games because he was kind of going off. Jordan was going off against all these other teams, scoring 20, 30, whatever, you name it. So I knew from my my standpoint that I had to shut him down to give us a chance. Um, or just limit him. I, it's hard to shut him down because he's just a high-volume player. So limit his his average and then a team standpoint, just set the tone. I knew if I could set the tone starting with him that all the other guys would, you know, be like, yeah, these guys aren't as good as, you know, people think they are. And so I think we just executed. We had a really good coaching staff. Uh, we had really good game plans. So as long as we – you know, could execute the game plan, we we felt like we would have a pretty good chance to win. 
For sure. So I know you mentioned Jordan Walker. He was a uh, player of the conference. Um, yep. I don't know. I don't know if he got drafted. Do you know if he did? No, he actually uh, – when he entered the draft, but he came back. So he'll okay. be back next. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. I wonder if he'll, yeah. uh, he'll back up his award when it again. He's a pretty confident player. So yeah. I think if he was on the call, he, he would tell you that, that – I guess everybody likes saying, I'm him. <laughs> that's, that's everybody – that that's that's his deal. He's he's a pretty confident guy. I think he would think that he's gonna back it up. Gotcha. Well, there was some uh, there's some other big names in that conference. I mean, I know Kenny Lofton is in there at Louisiana Tech. Uh, he made the league. He's I think on a two way yeah. contract with the Grizzlies. Uh, wow. What made his game so special? And how many buckets did he give y'all? He never or his very few. The freshman last last season, and we didn't we didn't double him in the first half. And he kind of went off. So ever since that, the first uh, 20 minutes of playing Kenny Lofton, I've played him, I don't know, a lot of minutes after that. And we've doubled him. So he's an, he's, a, he's an issue. If we don't double him, it's a basket. And what makes him special is he's originally – he was a guard mm-hmm. um, in high school and grew six or seven inches – and so he has guard skills. His footwork is really, really good for his size and he can really move. And so he um, we had to double him to have a chance. And he just whenever you have to put two players on a person, I mean, your rotations have to be pretty tight and in sync. And that just, you know, creates, you know, rotations and and that that just makes you a really you know tough matchup. And so I think that's his biggest deal. Now he's shooting threes in the NBA, which he really wasn't doing in college because he didn't really have to. Um, but, yeah, he always got crucial buckets against us. He never scored a lot, but his baskets usually came when they needed them. People forget that he was a very accomplished player in high school. He played and was a major part of Team USA mm-hmm. um, on the, the FIBA circuit, I believe. Uh, so he, he's been on the uh, in the main stage for a while now. People don't realize that. He, uh, he had a great summer league performance this year, too. Yeah, um, yeah, he was the best player on that on that Team USA team too, with a lot of NBA players. So, yep, yep, absolutely. So you played against Purdue in the NCAA tournament, and yeah. that was, I believe, the first win in North Texas history in the NCAA tournament. Yep. What What was that like being a part of that team? Man, that was a dream from true. Um, we were disappointed we couldn't get back there uh, this past season, but that experience is something that I'll never forget it almost like completed my basketball journey, you know, and what I wanted to get out of basketball. Um, and so playing on that stage, we've all watched it. We've all filled out brackets, like to be a part of it is surreal. Like it's something that, man, ah, it's even hard to put into words and um, it just happens so fast. And, you know, all the support you get from your friends social media from alumni from professors and you don't have to do like at that point like you don't have to do your homework and like you know everybody understands and like I think the coolest part honestly is like the pride that people that you that you feel that people get from that that moment and UNT is not OU like OU y'all could win a game and it's cool but it's like y'all have more expectation but UNT it's like 
we don't have we don't get as much national recognition. And so for us to be on that stage in front of the whole world and to upset to to bust brackets that people, you know, like it's just it's just cool. Man. The whole experience, the whole deal is cool. And like um, you, you just turn on ESPN and that's what's being played. And like you have your 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 bracket tag moment where you get to, you know, just stuff mm-hmm. you've seen growing up that you get to experience. It was dope. It was dope. You mentioned busting the brackets. Did you fill out a bracket the year that you were That's in the That's what tournament? I was going to ask. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't do it because, I, I mean, I was a little nervous. I didn't know how it worked if you were, like, a player. Um, and then it was <laughs> just weird. It. You it did was it. Weird. Nah, I did. I you did. did it. Come on. <laughs> it was always weird for me, though, because I'm like, man, like, I don't know. It was weird. But all my friends would just be like, hey, I filled out a bracket. I got y'all going this far. I got y'all winning the whole thing. Like, <laughs> It was just fun. It was just fun, you know, being just seeing just seeing my school on there, knowing like, hey, yeah. I'm, I'm a part of that. Team. I'm, you know what I mean? Like, it was just cool. I looked at the bracket. I didn't fill one out, but I was because it, it was just cool. I was like, dude, I always wanted to have a freaking name on this bracket. Like, so man, I get the chills thinking about it. Just the selection, the selection sun. Like, we didn't have a true because it was during COVID. So I wish we had a true selection sunday where we could see our name on there but we had to do it like in our whole in our elevator lobby at all on our floor in indianapolis so it was a little bit different but man it was just fun seeing our name pop up on selection sunday like man we're really in the tournament that's cool yeah hey so uh i know we just talked about the ncaa tournament that's the biggest stage of college basketball but you were part of a another tournament this summer not as a player yeah. but as a manager and uh yeah. You went a few rounds. You surprised a lot of people. I know you touched yep. on Wichita State being a tough place to play. Uh, that was where you ended up playing in the, I think, the regional oh. or something, the semifinal or something. Yep. And uh, I watched that game, and it was electric there. And Wichita State yep. was playing in Wichita State. That did not seem fair at all. All their fans <laughs> showed out. But, I mean, that's a crazy moment. You're out here managing the team. All your, all your friends are playing. All the guys you learned from in school history. Uh, can you just tell me about that experience and what different perspective that gave you as a as a manager? Man, that was fun. I'm not, towards the end, it got fun. Um, it was crazy having to recruit guys, having to manage training camp and organize our trip and just anything, all the basketball-related activities that we have for the guys. All that was crazy, man, because there's like – there's a verbal commitment and you – there's not a – substantial commitment to where guys have to show up so they can back out at any point. You know, we didn't have them sign contracts. The TVT did, you know, just for different reasons. But so that we just experienced a lot of uh, different, you know, turmoil within our roster, just guys backing out last minute. It was crazy, man. It, it, it definitely showed me that what I knew, but wasn't really sure about that. I do not want to coach basketball. That is not in my future. Um, I, I'm not a guy that likes dealing with personalities and, and that sort of chaos. So, um, that was something different, but, um, uh, it definitely was a fix for me as far as being back in basketball, being back in sport, um, and being part of a tournament that is, is, has national recognition. And, man, I mean, I don't know for me, I just love being around basketball. I really do. And so that gives me a chance in the summer to, um, have a few months to where, you know, I could put together um, along with, you know, some other of my friends and 
um, other UNT supporters, um, put together a team that competed for some a million dollars, you know. So yeah. it's a real tournament. It's not a tournament that um, that and you know it's hard to get this through to the guys playing because it is a commitment. It's like, hey, we need you down here for this amount of time. Uh, we need this from you. Uh, we need you to you know come be ready. And it's hard because they they think that it's kind of just a thrown together men's league tournament and it's like no this is actually a real tournament that you know a lot of people are putting a lot of time and money into that you know we need you to you know take serious yeah i mean there's probably nba scouts there yeah, overseas I mean, scouts for that matter but i mean yeah, a lot of those players are events. overseas players right yeah high, I, high level yeah high level players that um you know played overseas and some a lot of former nba guys and mm-hmm. like you said scouts and scouts from everywhere watching. So um, for me, it was a, uh, it was definitely cool to kind of be back in sport. And um, I actually, one of our players was, we've kind of been texting uh, the last couple of days and he just kind of asked me about next year. And so we're excited to, you know, you know, get it together and um, run it back next year. For would sure. you ever, would you ever join the team as a player or is uh, management where you're going to s- stick in uh, the main Man, I'm staying in management. There was a point <laughs> to where we might have had to play. Uh, me and the other, my other GM, we we had a lot of guys dropping out. So there was a point where uh, we, we might have had to get thrown out of there. So I was like, man, I'm working. And I don't know if I have enough time to get in shape, but I might have to. So, <laughs> um, yeah, there was a close. But after this season, how, how we ran it this year, we feel like we feel pretty confident that uh, we won't have to play in it. I'm probably, as Preston knows, I'm, I'm like almost, I'm pretty much hung them up at this point. I might, I may get out there soon, <laughs> but I'm, I'm pretty much done playing. Man, it was tough at the lunch table. We didn't know when you were going to come back. Me and Quasi. When? Man, oh, during the, the basketball tournament, you just, you just oh, dipped out. Yeah, Next I'm, thing you know, you're I'm on TV. Glad. I'm just glad I didn't lose my job. You know, I was, uh, <laughs> shout out. Tony. I was like, yeah. Shout out to Tony Rose, man. He, he, uh, accommodated my, 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 I don't know, impromptu, uh, basketball tournament where I just had, was like, had to take off as we kept winning. I mean, it was kind of crazy. Yeah. So this is, this is kind of an off topic question, but do you have a favorite basketball player of all time? Oh, Kobe freaking Bryant. Preston knows that. <laughs> That's my all-time favorite player ever. There's no second guy that I maybe maybe might be my favorite guy. Nah, it's Kobe Bryant. Throw so what'd you take from his mentality and and also his skill set? I mean, he's got the mama mentality. Yeah, he was a defensive of, stud. Right. Yeah, I try to take that. Um, you know, I think that's pretty uh transferable, you can say, across any Thing you do because Kobe's big thing is like don't look at what I did look at how I did it and so he says that so you could implement and you can use that in any part of your life and so as like the mom mentality just man finding every exhausting every resource and finding any way you can to just get better and so um I that's what I took from Kobe is just his relentless drive to just get better and so um, I think it, it's the reason why physically my body would break down just because I, I just wanted to put in as much work as I could to just maximize my back, basketball potential. 
Um, but yeah, that that is what I take from him is he just was somebody that would do whatever it took to win and he didn't care what anybody thought or anything. He just, you know, relentlessly worked for, you know, championships. And that's ultimately what I took from him. Yeah. So is there a way that uh, you can kind of take that mentality uh, to your professional uh, career as like a, a mechanical engineer, process engineer? Well, I mean, you do all sorts of internships these days. Well, yeah. what's something that you took from that that, that uh, you can translate to your professional career? Um, yeah, I think they're just the um, – I think the, the, another thing about Kobe was he was always learning from other people, you know, like learning from Kobe, learning, learning from all the greats. He was always taking little bits and pieces of – of people's games and ultimately he he molded into his own play on his own self um and for me and even when Kobe was done playing you know he was he wanted uh Oscar you know and he that just shows you that he took what like what he did as a player and that approach to his off the um court and off the life um or after basketball life and so for me, I think just learning from everybody that I work with is something that I can definitely take from Kobe and just working, being a worker. I think um, while I do have the education, I think one thing I, at the core of me is that I, I am a worker. So um, I, I do enjoy being in the, you know, in the weeds and, and, and looking at processes and, you know, talking to, you know, operators who are very, low on the totem pole at any company. Um, but that's something I enjoy um, and just getting out there and, and you know, getting as much work done as I can. I was, I'm a big per believer in, like, you can be the smartest person in the room, but if you don't get anything done, it doesn't matter, you know. So I, I try to I'm, – I'm goal-oriented. and um, I just – I think that's what I would pick up from Kobe, just try to accomplish – as much as I can um, and for the greater good of the team. Yeah. I mean, he was a great mentor. Yeah. Uh, have you ever tried to be a mentor as well? Like for younger hoopers? Yeah. I mean, just through my, my journey and people kind of hear my story, you know, I've had guys reach out, um, you know, trying to either learn from me, whether it be defense, learn kind of my approach, how, how I got to where I got, um, from JUCO to Division One, and or, or if it's like, how can I walk on at UNT? Just little things like that. I think as I kind of get older, I think that's be something more that I, I pick up on. But you know, I'm always open to helping people because um, I did get a lot. Of, I mean, I wasn't I wasn't self made, you know. So I had a lot of people. Obviously, Kobe was my mentor that I never got to meet, but was a big influence on my approach. But from GAs to coaches that believed in me to, um, you know, people I reached out to for advice. Like I got a lot of help, you know, I learned from a lot of different people. So I want to be that for somebody else. So whoever, you know, that, you know, reaches out to me, I'm willing to help, you know? So of course. You mentioned, I apologize. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, you're good. Uh, I was wrong. You mentioned that your dad was a basketball player at Alabama. Uh, so obviously he was very talented as well. What did he teach you about the game? Um, he taught me a lot of the fundamentals. So when I was younger, he taught me a lot of uh, fundamentals, um, 
obviously at that age, I realized how important it was to take care of your body. Um, and um, I would say that I would say he was a big influence on on that. He created expectation for me to want to play Division One. Um, it wasn't the end all be all, but he was someone that motivated me to because um, he thinks I'm better than Steph Curry, you know. <laughs> so when you have somebody that believes in you at that level, even though I was rational enough to know I wasn't better, but it kind of puts a you know, unwarranted expectation on you. So, like, for me, it's like, man, he thinks I'm that good. You know, like, you know, I have no choice but to, you know, try to, you know, see that through and try to be the best basketball player I could be. And so um, I would say that just the fundamentals that um, I I had at a young age um, and then just the expectation um, and the potential he saw in me. I know you said that you kind of morphed your game once you got to UNT. But prior to um, that, so originally when you were playing in high school or even um, in uh, junior college, do you, would you say that your game matches what your dad played like or were you a completely different uh, style of player? Uh, it matches who it, in the end it did. He was, a, he was more of a true point guard, and he actually has the still the, – the in-game steals record at Alabama still. That's awesome. So, what was it? Do you know? 10 steals in a game. Wow. Dang. So, yeah, his, his funny part is his nickname at Alabama was Officer Murray because he would lock people up. <laughs> and so, so I kind of morph into that defend, that defender type role in college. So it's kind of cool how it all came full circle. Uh, I'm going to change awesome. the contact name in my phone for, for you to Officer Murray. Then. That's, the, that's the title of this episode, an interview with Officer Murray. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody would know who y'all are talking about. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so uh, I know – I mean, I didn't even know that about your dad playing at, at Bama. I had no clue. But I, I did know that uh, your younger brother, Joel, uh, he plays yep. at Long Beach State. Yep. Uh, tell, me about, tell me about that. Are you a mentor to him? Do you train him? Uh, is he better than you? <laughs> uh, since I hung him up, he's better than me now. Okay. <laughs> but while I was still playing, no. Uh he uh he's really good, man. He's grown. He has a cool story too. And, you know, he came from Division Two. Um, had a small stint before he enrolled Division Two out of junior college. And so now he's at Long Beach State. And so um, I don't know. For me, uh, we would work out when we could in the summers. Obviously it was hard with workouts and school and all that. Just always kind of running around. Um, so we didn't work out as much as we you probably would expect but we always talked and and um we always i would say we always knew the value of uh, putting the work in and so i think i would probably i probably influenced him in that aspect as far as the process of like actually working out and what you what it took to actually um be successful in basketball um but for me, I don't know, like like the whole coaching deal, um, training, I don't know, man. It's hard. Like, I'm, I think I'm pretty good at, like, knowing my lane, you know, and I, and I stay in that lane. And I don't know if training is something that I would be really good at. There's something – there's maybe drills that I could suggest. But full-on training is not something that I think I'm, I'll be really good at. So, um, you know, he has a really good trainer out there. And so – um, I just kind of, like I said, I stay in my lane and we talk every, you know, we talk weekly. And so, um, 
I'm all, we're always bouncing ideas off each other. I'm always, you know, providing support and, you know, wherever, wherever I can. Is his play style similar to that of you and your dad? No, he's a, he's a scoring guard. He's a, he's a point guard, scoring point guard. Me, I was always more of a combo at UNT. I didn't really play point guard. Um, my dad was a true point guard. He's more of a point guard. Um, and so, yeah, he's more of a scoring guard. He probably so, uh, he probably got that because you had to lock him up with the driveway so much, huh? That's it. That's exactly what I was about to say too. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was really really hard for him to score on me. Um, and so I think I don't know. I think that play we didn't play one on one as much as we wanted when we because I was on varsity when he was on varsity as a sophomore. So he got beat up, you know. He got beat <laughs> up. So uh, I think long term it was good for him. Uh, obviously, he's a confident guy. Um, so he he'll probably say something different, but uh, <laughs> he uh, I, I I it was hard for him. I'll say it was really hard for him. Hey, so uh, now's a chance. Uh, any teammates you'd like to shout out? Any any anybody you really learned from playing with, and uh, any any of the guys that you played with? I'm sure they are. I mean, those are your brothers. You go to battle on court. Yeah. But you still talk to a lot of them. And is there, yeah, are your man, best I, friends I on those to, teams? I talk close to almost all of my former teammates. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess we can start my guy, uh, Juco, uh, AD. Um, he, he was somebody I went to Juco with that, you know, was a big influence on, um, you know, that my experience there, man. We were we were all ready to get out, but now we miss it, you know. Um, UNT, DJ Draper, he's actually the guy I co-GM'd uh, the TBT team with. Both walk-ons, I learned from him because he was a walk-on turn scholarship player as well. So he was a guy that I learned pretty much everything as far as, like, my approach to how I was going to add value to the team at UNT. Um, and then I was fortunate. I mean, I played with a lot of good players. I'm going to miss some guys, but a lot of the major players was just uh, Thomas Bell. He was also on the all-defensive team uh, with me as well, was my roommate last year. Uh, Javion Hamlet, who was a player year at Comps USA, uh, my first year that I got, or my sec, my second year at UNT, um, Tyler Perry, who's in line to be the player of the year in that conference this year, a really good player. Um, so I'm fortunate, man. I was, I came at the right time, I think, man. I played with some really good players. Now, obviously, my coaches, Coach Fletch at U, uh, at Eastfield, and then Coach Match, Coach Hodge. Maddie B, all those guys at UNT, uh, Coach Reem, um, all those guys, man. I was I was fortunate. I've been around a lot of good coaches, good players, and they all played a part in, you know, what I was able to accomplish. Man, that's awesome. Yeah. It's always good to, to you know, keep in mind who you learn from and really just be grateful for those relationships you made on the court and off the court. Yeah, I'm glad you asked that, man. That's important. Yeah. Hey, so uh, to wrap this up uh, – Kind of throw, I'm gonna throw a surprise at you. I'm gonna quiz you. Okay. You ready? Yeah. All right. All right. So, uh, do you know who who holds the record for most points ever in a UNT season? Uh, yeah, Roosevelt Smart. Okay. There you go. Yeah, 2018. Wow. Uh, he scored 742 points that year. Yep. The year before I went there. Do you know who has the most points in a UNT career? Uh, Chris Davis. Nah, I'm sorry. You, Try again. Uh, He's and before UNT, your time, man. He's before your time. Uh, don't tell me. Uh, what's that guy's name? He's a big man. I believe so. Yeah. 
what's his name? Dang, you got me. You got me. <laughs> hey, Kenneth Lyons. Lyons. Yeah, Lyons. Yeah. Yeah, he scored 2,291 points over the course of his career. He played from uh, 1979-80 season to 1982-83 season. You got, you got me there. You got there me. you go. All right, let's see if you can get this one. Who's got the most blocks in a UNT season? Uh, Tony Mitchell. There you go. High flyer. Yeah. Man, I was so pumped. I was playing with him in 2K. I thought, I thought he was going to be in the dunk contest or something. <laughs> yeah, we. I was hoping he would be on the TVT team, but that's another story for another. Man, day. you would have gotten past Wichita State if you had him. Yeah. Uh, that could be a whole other episode. Is what happened on y'all's TBT team? It sounds like. Yeah, man, they had some hoopers. Yeah, I would love you. <laughs> hey, we can always have a part two. Uh, yeah. Sure. So, who holds uh, the record for most threes made in the game? Most threes, Roosevelt Smart. There you go. Yeah, he. he he sniped uh, yeah, 10 of them in that game. Yeah. yeah. That's wild. Uh, how many times has UNT won a conference tournament? Once. Oh, no, 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 no. That's a lie. Uh, in school history? Yeah. For basketball. Uh, um, I want to say two or three times. You're under. You're undervaluing your alma mater, man. Five times. Ah, <laughs> uh, not quite. Four, Four times. times. <laughs> there you go. So they won. They must have. They won one conference USA, one Sun Belt, and then two in the what conference were they in? Man, I don't even know what that was called. That was before. I remember the Sun Belt. I remember USA. I don't remember either. Uh, okay, so they won two in like the seventies. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I was talking about this one time. Uh, one of my you know favorite coaches I ever trained. I actually never played for his team, but he trained me uh, when I was in middle school and early high school. Dion yeah. Hunter. Yeah, Dion he, Hunter. Yeah. Yeah, he I think he was on those teams. Two. Yeah, he was a point guard, man. Yeah, I actually ran into uh, him last weekend at, at, in Carrollton. Really? Yeah. I told you you would love to meet him because that was the yeah, first time cool you met dude. him. Right? Yeah, he's yeah. a cool dude. He's a, yeah. I might have to get him on the pod. Yeah, you would. He, he'll, he'll love this. Man, I love He He works so hard, man. Yeah. Uh, you learn a lot from that guy. Uh, all right, how many tournament appearances has UNT had? National, like NCAA tournament appearances. Two. Not wins, but – Oh uh, no, dude! You three, four, three, 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 four, four again. Y'all were the four. Oh, four because I didn't know they like they went to the NCAA tournament those two years. I I think so. All right, then last question, man. Uh, Hell, this. Tell me, <laughs> tell me who had the highest steal percentage in the season. Uh, not me. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you that. Uh, Ryan Woolridge or Chris Jones. Yeah. What if I told you? It was steal percentage. What is steal that? Percentage. It's uh, I think it's like the estimated amount of steals. Like, here, let me look up how it's scored. Uh, I was looking at it earlier. It's basically the estimated amount of steals they think you get uh, per game. I think um, like, like if like I got a like a constant minute mark. Um, look it up. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think I it's an advanced stat. I mean, for sure. That's pretty cool. I know. Yeah, man, that's you. You said it this past season. You have to send me that, man. Yeah, uh, it's a percentage of estimated opponent possessions that end with a steal by the player while the player's on the court. That's pretty cool. There you go. It's an advanced stat, but you got it. 
Send me that. I don't believe you, man. I gotta see that. I, I mean, I'm pretty <laughs> sure. I, just, I saw it on a basketball reference, man. Basketball reference. Yeah, you gotta send me that one, bro. <laughs> Record holder, JJ. That's gonna do it, JJ. We really appreciate you being on here. Yeah, man. Any last words? Man, I appreciate you. Bro. <laughs> nah. nah, I appreciate y'all for uh, having me on. And like I said, whenever, whatever y'all need, let me know. Like I said, uh, Preston, you got my number. Randall, you need anything, man, I can help. Let me know, man. I'm always willing to help. So, um, yeah, I ain't doing – I'm in Didden these days, so I'll be around. All right, let's grab another LSA burger. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Randall, let me know when you're in town, man. We'll all, we'll go get a drink or something. Absolutely, yeah, man. That I would love that. I'll, uh, I'll definitely tell Preston to hit you up next time I head down south. Yeah, for sure. It was great to meet you, man. I appreciate uh, appreciate you talking with us. Yeah, no doubt, man. I appreciate you guys. Of course. All right. All right. Have a good night, man. All right. You too.